You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Voice Junkie. Welcome to the Voice Junkie Podcast, Episode 5. Man, we are getting along here. This is great. Want to talk again about the Colin Kaepernick situation. Because you know what? I, I It's not that I want to talk about it so at nauseam, but I feel like I have to. Because there's so much incoherence going on in the media. And it's such a polarizing topic. You know, this is, you know, this is big time news. And it's an important news topic because, you know, we're in a society and a culture that likes to popularize topics that shouldn't get the type of attention that it's getting. And this is one of those topics that fits the rare exception because it deserves all the attention it's getting. However, it's not getting the right attention. And again, Colin Kaepernick is being, you know, attacked and and not being supported by former legends like Ray Lewis, who wants to come on the air and say, you should keep the flag out your protests. How the fuck is he supposed to do that, Ray? Part of the part the symbol of this country is the goddamn flag, Ray. He doesn't agree with what the country, the power structure that you love to bow down to and you and and, and slurp. He's talking to those people. He's talking to the power structure of this country that can make laws, that can change things socially, Ray. How is he supposed to just walk away and not protest during the flag when the flag is the central issue? Standing up to the flag is standing up for the country that's oppressing blacks, orange people, brown people, whatever. Anything that ain't white, Ray. So... Telling him not to bring the flag in his protest is essentially telling Colin Kaepernick not to protest at all. You know? And it's interesting. One guy that I'm not even a big fan of in media since he joined media, but I was a big fan of his on the field, and that's Shannon Sharp. He has some powerful things to say, some very, very, very powerful things to say as to why, putting this in perspective, because again, what we do so much, what the media loves to do so much, is take things out of context and not put it in its proper perspective. And thank God for Shannon Sharp circling on his big platform on FS1, on his big debate show, Undisputed, with uh, Skip Bayless, another polarizing figure. He had the platform to put this in its proper perspective. And this is what he had to say. In World War II, there are a lot of African-Americans that went to foreign, foreign sure, soil yeah. to fight. Mm -hmm. They were fighting for freedoms in a foreign land that when they came home, they didn't enjoy themselves. Under that flag, with those veterans, so think about this, you go to Germany, you go overseas, and you fight for freedoms of people you have no idea, have nothing in common with. In the very country that you're representing, when you come back to it, you're second-class citizen. Correct. Me, I have a very unique perspective skill. Okay. I'm from rural South Georgia. You are. I'm 48 years old, Skip. And if I don't tell you my religion, you can't guess it. If, you, if I don't tell you my mom's name, you couldn't guess it. 
I was dirt poor. Twelve, a thousand square feet, ten people sometimes, cement floor, ten roof. I'm well off now. The one thing that I've been for 48 years is black. That's what you see. You don't see my religion. You don't see my orientation. You don't know my political affiliation. But you see this. I see people get on shows and the officers say non-compliance. Well, I saw a guy in Florida, a white guy, stab two people, kill him, stabbed another guy, was eating the guy's face. Female officer tase him. They have to wait 10, 15 minutes and they take him alive. I see a guy selling CDs and he's killed. I see a guy selling loose leaf cigarettes mm -hmm. and he's killed. See, that's what gets us up in arms. I should. Because you say non-compliance is a death sentence. If a man is gnawing a man's face after he's killed two people, we see what happened in Colorado. The guy killed 12 and they take him alive. We see what happened in, in, in North in Charleston. What it, uh, uh, nine parishioners, he drives. Not only do they take him alive, they take him by Burger King because he's hungry. So you think we're supposed to be okay with this? No. I'm talking about Ray. Instead of making the Uncle Tom stance, I'm not gonna. I, I, let me let me rephrase that. I don't like using Uncle Tom so loosely because that is such a strong connotation to someone's character. I don't think Ray is an Uncle Tom, but he's a corporate, a corporatist who's delusional and out of touch with reality. You just heard a man that played in your sport, played on a team with you in a 2000 Ravens championship team. That gets it. He gets it, Ray. You don't get it. He, Shannon put the whole thing in his perspective in that two-minute clip that I just played for you guys. Tell me he ain't right. And if he ain't right, something wrong with your brain. It's broken. Everything he's saying is everything that we feel as black Americans or people that aren't, who, who are checked in the box of other. That's what we see every day. Every freaking day, that's what we see as a people. And Shannon so eloquent, eloquently displayed that. And I'm just going to leave it there for that. I mean, because that's self-explanatory in itself. That right there was the nice cherry on top as far as why Colin Kaepernick is doing what he's doing. But anyway... Onto a much lighter subject. Let's talk about the fight last night. I'm recording this on Sunday. So let's talk about the fight last night with uh, the UFC 203 fight. Um, there was a nice undercard as far as Uriah Faber up against uh, Jimmy Rivera. That was pretty good. Um, Jimmy Rivera is, 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 a, is a really, really good fighter. And... He showed that in that fight. He did win in a unanimous decision. I think it was unanimous. It might have been split. Not sure. I think it was split or, or unanimous. I'm not sure. You guys correct me on that. But that was a pretty good fight. Um, I'm just going to skip to the fights that really mattered, and that was the fight, you know, the CM Punk fight. Um, no, no, no. Let me, let me cover that last because I got some things to say to a lot of haters out there about when it comes to CM Punk. Y'all put me in a very, very difficult situation to actually defend the guy to the point where, I, you know, 
where I don't want to defend him as much, but you guys and your delusions and your and your blindness, your your hatred for the guy is amazing to me. So I have to be put in a situation to defend him. But anyway, let me just cover the heavyweight fight with Overeem and, 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 and Steep, um, the heavyweight champion Steep um, Miocic. I can't pronounce his last name. But that was a very interesting fight. Um, Overeem had a really good strategy. I guess he was he was doing a lot of dancing around the ring and trying to keep, uh, you know, steep have steep chase him around. And he would okie doke him and catch him. And he caught him. He caught him, put steep on his ass, uh, but he didn't hurt him to the point where steep lost the fight because he got him in a rear naked not a rear naked choke. He got him in a guillotine choke, and steep got out of it. I mean, I thought it was over. But Steve got out, to his credit, Steve got out of it. Fight continued, and then, you know, Steve got his bearings with him, started catching him, dinging him with that powerful, uh, those powerful fists of his. And next thing you know, he hawked down over him, got him to the floor, and grounded and pounded his ass. Uh, let me not say that. That sounds crazy. He grounded and pounded his face, and he won the match. So, in dominant fashion against a guy who's been dominant his whole career in Overeem, but Overeem's been kind of, you know, not as impressive in the last several fights. I mean, he had a little winning streak going into the fight, but he's he's not been as dominant as he was a few years back. That could be for many reasons, <clears throat> namely uh, juice, but uh, being off the juice. Um, anyway, it could be uh, many things, but, I mean, the guy's fought, God, over 40 times. So, you know, eventually your aura that that your aura and your and and your kind of uh, I mean, things start to deteriorate far as your skill set after a certain amount, I would think Um, when you fight in 40 times and that's not even counting, you know, you not fighting in on a professional level. So who knows? But anyway, that was a great uh, uh, heavyweight fight. Um, Steep, in front of his home crowd of Cleveland, represented, knocked out Overeem, and kept the strap. He did what he came to do. He came in as champ and left as champ. But I just want to get to the CM Punk one, the undercard um, main event. Look, CM Punk lost the fight. It took Mickey Gall two minutes about two minutes to win it. He won by his, uh, you know, his go-to move, his uh, his rear-naked choke. But, you know, I, I go on social media, and I see so many people talking shit about CM Punk, about, oh, yeah, you know, he got his ass beat. He got this happen to him. He shouldn't have went in the fight in the first place. What makes him think that he could do UFC? And blah, 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 blah. I don't understand. Like, people went... People just automatically assumed CM Punk was cocky because he wanted to join UFC and do something that he wanted to do. He doesn't need the money. He's well off from WWE. He's been wrestling for, you know, over a decade. He's fine. He was a top guy over there. So, you know, he got cash. He got dough. He does his comic book thing. He does his, you know, he writes for comic books, makes money off that, does public appearances, makes money. He, he makes good enough dough. He didn't need the UFC money. Let's put that in perspective first. So give the man credit for doing this because he wanted to do it. He didn't have to do it. 
you know? But this this perspective, this 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 misconception of CM Punk that he's cocky because he wanted to f- So I've watched all the documentaries. I've watched them all. And and um excuse me, I've watched all the interviews for over a year. I've watched all the documentaries that the, the one, you know, he just had. And the guy's been super humble the entire time. He's been nothing but super humble. He's had no expectations of taking the world by storm in UFC. None. But yet, we got a bunch of blind, delusional fucks on social media assuming that he is the complete opposite of what he's been since he signed that contract. And I'm saying to myself, like... Where is this coming from? Why? Because he dare try something that you feel he shouldn't have tried? Give the man some courage. Give the man some credit for his courage for doing some shit that a lot of you fuckers out there wouldn't do. And a lot of you fuckers don't got the balls or the backbone to do what the fuck he's doing. So give the man some credit. Mickey Gall is completely out of his league. The guy's a brown belt in jujitsu. Punk is a fucking white belt. Joe Rogan did the greatest. He, as a journalist, quote unquote, he's not really one, but he did a great job at putting things in his perspective and and telling the people still watching that, look, Punk took a fight that was completely out of a fight with a, a fighter that was completely out of his league. He could have fought somebody on his level. He's an amateur. He could have fought an amateur. But what if what what would you guys, the haters out there, I'm speaking to you, would you have accepted that fight? Would you have given him the credit he deserved if he were to have won? No. You would have found a way to talk shit about it. Oh, you know, that's some second-rate fighter that he fought. Um, he's an amateur. So he felt pressured into taking a fight against a young up-and-coming star like Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall is pretty fucking good. The first two guys he beat, the 2-0 record that he came into the fight with last night, the two guys he beat, he beat them in less than a minute. Submitted them with the same move he submitted Punk with last night, the the rear naked choke. But guess what? Haters, CM Punk lasted longer than those two guys he beat. Granted, it was a two-hour match. I mean, two-hour match. Two minutes. Granted, it was it was done in two minutes, but it was double the time those other guys lost in. Give him credit for that. Did he get knocked out? I didn't see him get knocked out. Did he get knocked out? No, he didn't get knocked out. Mickey Gall was wailing on his ass. And he still had the wherewithal to cover up. And his defense wasn't too bad. For a guy who's an amateur, he should have been knocked out last night. But Mickey didn't knock him out. Mickey had to go to his go-to move, the rear naked choke, to win that match. And it took him longer to win that match than any other fight that he's done so far. So you got to give CM Punk some kind of credit. You know? Give him some credit. But, you know, the thing that's so disappointing about it is 
people, again, people fail to put things in perspective. It's like the whole thing I just said with Ray Lewis and the media. And put things in its proper context, people. It's not fucking hard. Use your brain. Your brain's either broken and you're incapable of using it in that, in that light. Or you're so blinded by your hatred that you refuse to do it. That's all I see in that situation. I see a guy who took a fight, courageously, by the way. Took a, He didn't have to take that fight. He took a fight way out of his league because I think, in my opinion, he was hearing voices. He was, he was trying to, I think he let people, I think he let some of the haters out there get in his head. So that's why he took a fight that was out of his league. When in reality, he should have just started from the bottom because he is at the bottom and fought somebody that's on his level. There's nothing wrong with that. You know? So in the future, I'm hoping that, you know, we can, you know, see something better from him. Because Lord knows it's unfair, but he's going to need to win one of these matches. I don't care if he's one in three when his, his career is over. He's got to win at least one for it to be considered uh, somewhat of a success for him. To him, it's already a success because he's gotten to this point. But, uh, you know, he's going to have to at least win one of these matches. And if he's smart, he'll just go back to his level where he should have been in the beginning and fought somebody on an amateur level. And then we can see exactly where he is in this whole process. Until then, he'll continuously get the hate. He has to just block out the haters and just do what he should have done from the beginning. But, yeah, anyway, let's get on to... Week one in football. I mean, football is literally a couple hours away to tip off. Um, there's a lot of headlines here. A lot of things going into this week. Uh, first of all, I want to just cover the, the whole Cam Newton game and how he was just completely disrespected Thursday night against the Broncos. Those referees, man, it, there is a bias. And I'm glad ESPN was on top of it when it came to calling out for what it is. Cam Newton has been getting killed and not getting any calls. He was strictly, he was so disrespected Thursday night. This is the league reigning MVP of the football, National Football League. The league MVP. Fresh off a of Super Bowl, granted he lost. And you guys are still not respecting him enough to throw a roughing a passer call? One? At least one. Not one was thrown Thursday night. Well, all those dirty-ass hits to the head by, uh, like, Stewart and some other guys on that Broncos team. Not one. Why is that? Of course, I have some theories about it. And I'm sure if you in the know and you woke, you should have some theories about why the treatment is different from a Drew Brees, an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady... Uh, Peyton Manning when he was in the league. Oh, man, they throwing them flags. They can't wait to throw them goddamn flags. You don't even have to hit them in the head. You could just fall and stumble by their legs and they throwing a goddamn flag. But if it's a Cam Newton or Russell Wilson, you're not throwing that flag. Hmm, why is that? Don't give me this shit about these guys being mobile quarterbacks and it's different and blah, blah, blah. Don't give me that shit. Steve Young was a mobile quarterback. You know, it, 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 Boomer Esiason was somewhat mobile on the, on, on the Bengals. 
I mean, granted, different eras, different rules, but let's keep it real. There's a deeper element as to why Cam Newton isn't getting those calls. You know, this guy, they did a stat on ESPN saying that Cam Newton's last rough in the passer call was week 11 in 2014. So they has they have not thrown a rough in the passer call in Cam Newton's favor in two years. How is that even possible? I've seen Cam Newton get roughed up at least 10 times within that time frame. What how is that possible? I don't want to hear about all oh, his size. He's big, he's this, he's that. I don't want to hear that shit. If he's getting roughed, throw the flag. But hey, Hey, Cam did this to himself. When he could have took that stance for Colin Kaepernick and, and, and how, the, how, uh, how he's being treated by the media, how he's being treated by his own peers, when he could have took that social stance, he didn't. Him of, that's why it was so disappointing. Him of all people knows the biases and the, and the different standards with black quarterbacks and how they're treated. He of all people should know that. And it's poetic justice that he still got what he he got what he got on Thursday night. He was treated differently from every other quarterback. That ain't like him. Hmm. How poetic. But anyway, let's get to the week pickums before I end this this week's podcast. Let's roll up the uh, week one uh, schedule. So we got uh, the Vikings versus the Titans, one o'clock game Sunday. Um, the Vikings are visiting the Titans. I'm going to put an L on the board for the Vikings. They're, they're going to start Sean Hill. They're not starting Bradford, who they paid a fortune for. And so that's going to be an L. Uh, the, it's going to be a tight game. It should be a very interesting game. Uh, you know, you got the running backs with Derrick Henry, and you got DeMarco Murray on the Titans. You got Mariota. So that rushing attack is going to be very interesting to watch. So, but I, I'm going to give the slight edge to the Titans. They should win that one. Now that gives up to the uh, to the Bears game, Bears versus Texans. Um, they're saying JJ Watt is going to suit up. I'm not sure if JJ Watt's playing. I don't know. That's up in the air. But um, they're going to be at home against the Bears. I, I suspect the Texans should win that game. They should definitely win that game. Bears secondary is pretty suspect. I suspect that. Oswaller should get some nice uh, opportunities to go to uh, DeAndre Hopkins down the field. And I think Lamar Miller might have a big game. Um, so, yeah, I'll go Texans. I don't know what the hell. I'm not going to do score predictions here, but I'll go Texans in that one. Um, now, the Browns in, against the Eagles. Browns travel up to Philadelphia and play. So that's going to be an interesting game for RG3 because uh, that Eagles defense is fast and active. So... I don't think the Browns are going to win that game. I think the Eagles should stand, uh, hold serve and win. Um, hopefully, RG3 doesn't get destroyed. You know, I do root for him, and I hope that he can resurrect his career. But it's going to be a rough game for him. I, sus- I expect that game to be rough for him. So I'll pick the Eagles in that game. Uh, now, now we go to Buffalo Bills against the Ravens. Buffalo will be traveling down to Baltimore and play that game. I believe Joe Flacco should be playing suited up. They re-signed Forsett after they uh, let him go. And uh, 
yeah, you know, the secondary is a little shaky for the Ravens. That should be an interesting game. But you know what? I'm going to pick Buffalo. I'm going to go pick Buffalo in a slight upset. You got Tyron Ta- Tyrod Taylor coming. You got Sammy Watkins. You got a fresh, rejuvenated LaShawn McCoy. Um, and, yeah, I suspect that they should do something. And uh, look out for Charles Clay, the tight end for the Buffalo Bills. I think that he might actually do something. I don't know if he'll get over 100 yards or nothing like that. But, you know, 50, 60 yards, maybe a touchdown. Um, that would be awesome. I mean, he is on my fantasy football team. So now on to the next game. Um, next game is Chargers traveling over to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs with that one. I mean, they should be full health. Uh, Eric Berry should be playing. Uh, you know, I think Alex Smith will get some nice passes out to Macklin. Um, they'll keep the game. They'll control the pace of the game. They'll rush the ball. They'll do the Deacon dunk things to uh, keep Alex Smith out of trouble. And, I mean, Chargers don't really have a defense to hang their hat on, really. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Joey Bosa does, but he's missed so much training camps. I I don't expect really much from him. So uh, that should be interesting. But I'll take the Chiefs in that game. Now we got Raiders versus Saints. Raiders will be traveling over to New Orleans to play the Saints. Uh, Drew Brees is... um, I mean, Drew Brees is going to have his hands full with that defense, but um, I don't know, man. I want to go out and pick the Raiders. They're going to have to have one of these statement victories. They're going to have to have one of these statement victories. But it's going to be very tough to beat the Saints in New Orleans on opening day. So uh, I'm undecided on that one, really, man. I want to go Raiders. I want to go Raiders. Fuck it. I'll go Raiders. I'll go Raiders in an upset. Over New Orleans. It might be a high-scoring game, but I, I suspect Drew Brees will get rushed. Those boys on that line, Khalil Mack and, and Bruce Irvin and all those other guys, will get after him. So I'm going to go Raiders in an upset in New Orleans. Um, now Buccaneers and Falcons. Uh, Buccaneers are traveling to Falcons. That's a division game, you know, NFC South. Um you know, the Falcons, I suspect the Falcons should win that game. Um, I'll, I'll take the Falcons over the Bucks. Uh, now we travel over to uh, New York in the Meadowlands. The Jets will be hosting the Bengals. This should be interesting. I'm going to pick the Jets, though. I'm going to pick the Jets. I think they're going to get after Andy Dalton and force him into, a, you know, a couple turnovers. So I'll take the Jets. Um, let me speed across this. Uh, Packers traveling over to Jacksonville. That should be interesting. Now, <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't great on the road. Everybody gives him a pass because of how, you know, inhuman he looks in Lambeau Field. Field. But if you check his stats and his numbers away from Lambeau Field, they're average. And this defense is very underrated. But um, it's going to be a really, really tight game. But I'll give the slight edge to the Packers only because of Jordy Nelson's return. Jordy Nelson's going to open up some things in, inside for uh, for Cobb and uh, tight end there. I can't remember his name. They'll open some things up in the middle of the field, and Eddie Lacy should get you know to, to have some uh, you know have a decent game as well. So a slight edge to the Packers. So they'll win a, a very close game against Jaguars. I'll pick them over the Jags uh, on the road. Now, Dolphins versus Seahawks. Dolphins travel over to Seattle. 
Um, that's going to be a tough game as well, too. Dolphins defense isn't bad, but I don't trust Ryan Tannehill at all. So I suspect that the Seahawks defense will swarm all over Tannehill's ass. So I'll, I think that the Dolphins will take that L because I'm going to pick Russell Wilson over Tannehill any day of the week. Now, this leads up to my game, my Cowboys hosting the New York football Giants. Now, we all know the situation going on with the star quarterback of the team, Tony Romo. <sighs> Don't get me started. Well, he's gone down with another back injury. He'll be out probably till week seven or past week seven. I think we have a bye week seven. So week eight, we, sus- we expect him to be back. So that leaves Dak Prescott, our rookie quarterback that we drafted out of Mississippi State. I was a big fan of Dak's. You know, I was high on Dak going into the draft. He was one of the guys that I had on my board that I said, hey, you know what? If we can get Dak, you know, I also had, um, Jesus Christ, I can't remember his name. Our Cardell Jones from uh, Ohio State. I also had him on our board and Buffalo ended up taking him. I was I like Cardell as well. But I had those two guys uh, on my board as far as steals out the draft if they fell all the way down. And we we picked up Dak, thank God. And Dak has shown that, hey, I can do this. He's not rattled by uh, the situation so far. But now the season starts. It's going to be a different ball game. So I suspect that the Cowboys will, will make the game plan very simple for Dak and do similar things that he's done in the preseason, not put him in situations where he's passing the ball 30, 40 times a game. He'll probably pass the ball about 25 to, you know, a little under 30 times a game. Um, I I suspect 25. I give him about 25 passes in this game, and they're going to run the ball down the throats of the Giants. That that, uh, front seven is below average, so I suspect that uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Alfred Morris should have a field day, a feasting frenzy on that front seven. I suspect us to rush. Now, you got to remember, Dak also runs. So you have the threat of Dak running. You have the threat of Dak doing the, the, the spread option with both Ezekiel Elliott and Alfred Morris. So you know Garrett and company is going to throw those packages in there. So I suspect that Dak should have at least about 40, 50 yards on the ground. So I think altogether we'll have about 200 rushing yards against the Giants. That'll be enough to control the clock and win the game. It'll be a high-scoring game, of course, but I think that the Cowboys will pull through and win that game on the ground with a combination of Dak, Zeke, and Alfred Morris. So my Cowboys, hopefully they'll pull that off and make me right. Now, on to the Lions and Colts. Colts at home hosting the Lions. I'm not even going to entertain you guys with the Lions. I'm just done with the Lions. I think Colts will win that game. I think uh, Andrew Luck will throw it like a million times a game because that's all he does is throw. And I suspect T.Y. Hilton to have a big game. And cross my fingers, I hope he does because he is starting for me on my fantasy squad. And now, Sunday game uh, is the Patriots and Cardinals. It's been reported that Rob Gronkowski will not start in that game, so they're going to take that L. That is going to be in Arizona. No Gronk, no Brady, no chance. 
I got Cardinals by double digits. Now, on to the Steelers going traveling up to the Redskins. That's going to be a hell of a game. I'm going to pick the Steelers. I'm going to pick the Steelers in a slight upset to take that game over Washington. Uh, I think Roethlisberger will will definitely uh, carry that team. I don't really trust the Redskins' defense. I just don't trust them. Um, I know that the Steelers don't have... I know they don't have Montavious Bryant and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, those are huge losses. But I think they can... I, I trust their defense more than Redskins' defense. So... I think that the Redskins defense, I think, excuse me, the Steelers defense might get a couple turnovers, late game turnovers by Kirk Cousins. So it's going to be a close game. I think it might come down to a field goal, but I got the Steelers over the Redskins in a slight upset Monday night. And then the second Monday night game is Rams versus 49ers. Rams travel up to uh, San Francisco. I mean, who are we kidding? Rams are going to win that game. I have no faith in the 49ers. I think that they might win two or three games this season. And that's all for that. So, yeah, those are my pickums for the week, uh, for the first week of the NFL. I'm not going to do this every week because I think it's a little ridiculous. So, you know, maybe every other week or, you know, every, you know, few shows, I'll, I'll throw my pickums in there. But since it's the opening week of the NFL, I had to do week one. So those are my picks. And that is today's show. That's the end. I'll see you next time. Uh, episode six next week um until then hey keep it tight keep it real and uh enjoy some football